Welcome back, baseball family. This week we have an interview with David Sampson. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast, Baseball Family. I am Brad, and as always, I'm joined by our guy, Brig. Welcome, Brig. What's shaking, baby? You know, same old. No, that's not true. Not the same old, because we're here to actually tell you, Baseball Family, that we're skipping current events this week because we had an amazing interview with David Sampson of the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast, and we don't want to edit edit anything out. In fact, we're not going to edit anything out. So like we said, we're skipping current events. We're going to get straight into the interview with David Sampson. Here it is. Welcome back, baseball family. Today we have a very special guest, somebody I am very excited to talk to today, um, somebody I've actually listened to a lot, David Sampson. He is a former MLB executive and current host of the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. Welcome, David. How are you today? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing Great. well. We're excited. Really happy. So we thought we'd give everybody a chance to get to know David. So we're going to do the same thing with him that we do with all of our guests. He's going to get a rundown. So first, David, first question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Bring it on. I'm distracted by the Expos cap, but I'm going to get through it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. First question. What is your quest? Vision. What is my quest? Seriously, you're asking me that? Yeah. My quest in life, my quest in work. Should I just answer the first thing that comes to mind? My quest is to end world hunger. No, I don't know. No, I guess my quest is... If I can entertain at least one person at least four times during the course of 45 minutes every day on Nothing Personal, that is my current business quest, to entertain, educate, and inform people on subjects and have a little bit of, of fun at the same time. I love doing that. That is awesome. That's right in line with ours. Next question, what is your favorite color? Red. Nice. <laughs> Good. All right, Brad. <laughs> All right. If baseball were an ice cream flavor, what would it be? Chocolate chip cookie dough. It tastes so good, and then you get sick if you eat too much. <laughs> That's my favorite ice cream. It's, it's so, so good. good. You're right. Too much is not a good thing. Um, if your favorite ball club were a beverage, what would it be? Grape knee high. <laughs> Grape knee high. <laughs> Can you explain that a little Excellent choice, Radar. <laughs> it's the first thing that came to mind. It's what Radar drinks on MASH. Yeah. And uh, I love grape soda. I've always loved Welch's grape soda or any sort of grape soda. And uh, I just, hey, we're playing word association. You could ask me anything. Bingo. That's awesome. <laughs> we're going to stick with food for a minute. What is your go-to food from the concession stand? So I don't eat food from concession stands because I was there for 18 years, and I figured yeah. if I start that, I'll never stop. But I will answer and say peanuts. Peanuts. Brad's favorite. <laughs> I ate peanuts. I ate either peanuts or pumpkin seeds every game for 18 years. Wow. Did you ever dip into sunflower seeds or just stick with yes. peanuts? And, yeah. I don't like the barbecued sunflower seeds or the jalapeno sunflower seeds, and I don't de-shell them. So what players do, I had some players teach me that you can actually do it in your mouth with your tongue. You can crack it open, split it, and then spit it out and just keep the seed. To me, that just seemed like a lot of effort for very little payoff. So <laughs> it's sort of like when you've got edamame that you can't open. You just sort of get rid of it and move on to the next one. Like if you have a sunflower seed where the crack isn't big enough to get the shell open immediately, then then forget it. I'm going to move on. But I yeah. would eat the full sunflower seeds. And right during a bad time in a game when we were giving up a run or blowing a lead – I always associated it with swallowing a sunflower seed that wasn't chewed properly, and then it scratches the back oh, of your throat, and yes. you're worried about choking, so you need water or grape knee-high. But I'm going to say, yeah. yes, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, peanuts. Yeah. Awesome. I have to eat. I have to do the whole seed 
deshelling in my mouth, especially like if I'm if I'm coaching now as uh, as a dad with with the son in little league, I have to do that while I'm coaching. I have to do it while I play old man softball too, because it's one of those things where it like separates the brain, keeps yeah. you from getting too stressed and overworked. I ha- I have to do it that those way. Those little league but. games, man, they'll give you a heart attack. I hear you. <laughs> Don't you worry though when you're doing the sunflower seed splitting in the mouth, and then in theory you're supposed to spit out the shell mm-hmm. that you've separated. Two bad things can happen. One. While spitting out the shell, you could by accident spit out the seed as well, which means you've totally wasted your time splitting the shell. Or two, you could spit it out and it doesn't go all the way out and you've got like a sunflower seed thing like on your chin or next to your mouth. Isn't that the worst? I've got I've gotten them stuck in my beard before. Oh yeah, yeah. that's attractive. That must yeah, be really so super nice. attractive. Yeah. And I always and it's always one of my assistant coaches like, hey, you're right here, man. Right here. Yeah. That's how Brad and I met, actually. I was, like, drawn to him because we both had <laughs> seeds in our beards. <laughs> did you um, pick each other's seeds out of We your did. Beards? No, <laughs> It's a very romantic moment. <laughs> tear in my eye right now. Uh, David, how would baseball be different if the Dodgers had not left Brooklyn? Oh, that's a, So, it, uh, I would say the Yankees and the Mets – the Yankees would have won fewer World Series, and I think that City Field never would have been built, and I think that Steinbrenner never would have bought the Yankees. So I think it would have changed everything about baseball in New York. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yep. What is the best baseball movie? So my number one is obvious to everybody, but to me it really is. I watch it all the time. Is Field of Dreams. I love Eight Men Out. I love Leave Their Own. I do like The Natural very much. Uh, there are some for Love of the Game was fine because I love Costner and you can't go wrong with Kelly Preston. I mean, there's so many great. Sandlot is a great movie, which I enjoyed tremendously. Bad News Bears with Walter Matthau. I didn't like the Billy Bob Thornton or all the Bad News Bears go to Japan or they break training. I'm an original Bad News Bears, Walter Matthau, Tatum O'Neill guy. So there's so many great base. There's got to be way more great baseball movies than any other sport, right? Yeah. Yeah. Baseball and boxing are the two sports given over to the drama of cinema best, I think. So I was thinking about that. Like Million million Dollar Baby and Ali and The Fighter – there really are a lot of – The Raging Bull. I mean, there's yeah, a lot for sure. of good boxing movies. There are not a lot of great basketball movies. I got in so much trouble recently for giving Hustle a bad review, which is the new Adam Sandler oh, movie yeah. on Netflix. Yeah. I just – it bored me. Like The Fish, mm-hmm. Fish That Saved Pittsburgh was fine. Um, Fast Break was amazing with Gabe Kapler. Mm-hmm. Or Kaplan. Gabe Kapler is the manager of the Giants. Gabe, Gabe Kaplan from Welcome Back, Hotter. <laughs> There's a couple good ones. I love The White Shadow. Did you ever watch that series? Mm-mm, mm-mm. That's a basketball series starring Ken Howard. Anyway, I'm old. You guys together are not even my age. I can't even talk about it. <laughs> so what baseball movie needs to be made? If there's a storyline that is yet to be told, fiction or nonfiction, what baseball movie would you make? By the way, Major League. How could I forget? Do you know what I keep next to me in my studio? I don't what? know. Are we on camera? Is this audio, video? Yeah, both. Oh, we're on camera. Both. Yeah, go ahead. So, oh, look at that. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. (laughs) Jake Taylor, baby. That's awesome. Wow. It's right next to me every single, I keep that if we're going to get personal right now, even though it's called nothing personal. I have that. (laughs) I've got a room list from when we were checking into a hotel in, what year was this? This is the Florida Marlins probably in 2003. When this was a room list, I have no idea why that's in my desk. Forget it. What was the question? <laughs> Baseball movie needs to be made. Oh, I want to do a movie about Ichiro. I want to oh. do a movie about his work ethic and how he operates and functions as a perfectionist in his craft and how he turned back time in a way that, in a way that Cher never could. And, and knowing from his time in Japan – to his time ending his career with Seattle playing in Japan for those last couple games, what he did on and off the field, because I think people would, would really benefit from understanding that you can be the most talented person in the world, but it's routine, it's hard work, it's discipline, because the difference between people who are really good and people who are historically good and people who end up being nothing is work ethic. 
and mm-hmm. Ichiro's work ethic is something that would transcend a baseball story. So I think families would go to it, non-baseball fans would go to it. So that's the movie I would make. That's awesome. Brad, I'm going to cut you off. Right. I have one more question tangentially. David, Crash Davis or Jake Taylor? Jake Taylor. Ah. I have to. I have to for several reasons. One, I was born in Milwaukee, and Major League was filmed at County Stadium. It was actually filmed in Milwaukee, not in Cleveland. I didn't know that. Yes. So if you look at the stadium in Major League and you look at the Jumbotron, they forgot because they didn't have the budget to cover up WTMJ, which is the Milwaukee station, which is on the – the Jumbotron in Cleveland Municipal Stadium, which is supposed to be Cleveland, but it's really Milwaukee. I had a bunch of people I know who were extras in the stadium during the game against the Yankees. And just the concept, we always felt like, right, I always felt like the Cleveland Indians running teams with low budgets like your Expos and the Marlins trying to to win when everyone thought you weren't going to win. And just the concept of the way Jake Taylor bunts and gets that hit to score a run. Anyway. I was about to say a bad word, but I, I I'm not going to say it. But you may hit like you may hit like maze or run like whatever. Keep going. Yeah, major league. Awesome, awesome. All right, last one for you. Would okay. you sign a petition to have Rob Manfred decommissioned? That's our word, decommissioned. No, I would actually sign a document to have him extended. I don't think you guys realize that Rob Manfred uh, does his job better than Bud Selig did his job because Bud Selig governed baseball by trying to get 30 votes on every issue and he would buy votes from teams and I don't mean with money with favors so he would keep track hey you got to support me on this and I'm going to support you on that and it was a back and forth compromise all the time you scratch my back I'll scratch yours there was it was ruled by fear and and sort of uh just sort of some crazy stuff. The way that Rob operates is he knows he only needs 23 votes to get something passed. So if you're one of the seven against him, forget it. It's fine. You're a no. I'm moving on. And he is totally misunderstood because he's not good at PR. Like he's not, he's a lawyer. So he's not good when he has a microphone in front of him and not everybody can be the way the three of us are, right? Not everybody's comfortable in front of a microphone and a camera, but that's not really what he's paid to do by the owners. He's paid to increase the value of their teams and he's paid to keep revenue going and money in their pockets. And he's really good at that. True. I think that's the answer we needed, Brig. Honestly, yeah. that's the explanation we've needed in a lo- for a long time. I really appreciate that, David. Yeah, and we've that's speculated around crazy. that bullet point. We just don't like him. <laughs> well, but let me ask you this: Have you met him? No. no. So, speaking as someone who, when I write a book, I've never said this publicly, but I think I'm going to now. When I write a book, the title of the book is going to be First and Twenty. First and Twenty, as you know, is a football state of being where Mm -hmm. there's a holding penalty or something happens where instead of first and 10, it's first and 20. So you have longer to go, but the same number of downs. Mm. Whenever I meet people, I'm first and 20 because people associate me with, Oh, you ruined the expos. You stink with the Marlins. You traded away all my favorite players. You had the team leave like all of the bad stuff. And they think I'm this ogre, this sort of rude, mean, unrelatable guy so I'm first and 20, but I always get a first down because if you actually meet me, I'm totally yeah. normal. I'm fun. I love to hang out. I love to party. I love to do serious stuff and fun stuff. So the people who know me don't view me that way. So I'm first and 20. Rob Manford is that. So mm. if you met Rob, like he's funny and he loves to do funny things and have funny conversations. But when it's time to work, he works. When it's time to play, he plays. Uh, he can be absolutely serious to the point of night sweats when he wants something and you're not cooperating with it, but so can most people. Yeah. So he's a great father, a great grandfather, a great husband, a funny, interesting, smart guy, but people don't know him and they don't like him without having met him, which I, I don't want to be critical of you guys, but how can you say you don't like someone when you don't know them? You cannot like the things they do. Correct. But how do you not like the man? 
That's what yes. it is. It's it's we as fans, we have taken issue with things that he's done with the yeah. league, like especially during the COVID season. Like yeah. that was really frustrating to us as fans that like you had this perfect opportunity to bring the league in and be the only thing to get eyeballs on and to grow the league that way. But they couldn't get the deal done. Right. Yeah. It ended up getting pushed back. Basketball started almost felt like yeah, football was going to get started first. Right. But and you so, have to know why. Right. I mean, they had a collective bargaining agreement they had to negotiate, right. and he had owners sure. who were telling him, if you want to keep making 10, 15 million bucks a year, you better not get absolutely torched on this CBA. So right. you better start now. And mm-hmm. so they did. So I hear yeah. you may not like the things he does. Fair enough. Correct. But remember, yeah. he does nothing. Just FYI. All the stuff that you read or saw him do during the CBA, canceling games a week at a time or doing a 60-game season, he doesn't just sit in the commissioner's office and decide what he's going to do. He needs the owners to tell him and agree with him. If he has a plan and the owners agree, he does it. If he has a plan and the owners disagree with him, he does what the owners want. The owners are his boss. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's one thing that it's hard for the fans to remember is that we see him, we see him as like the over, like almost like the overlord of baseball. It's like no, he is the employee of the owners. Like You're he is exactly actually right under them. So we pay him whatever thirty teams pay one thirtieth of his salary. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, and that's right. a fascinating so. dynamic for him to have to, you know, be out there and get crucified all the time honestly i did it for a living right every time there was bad news with the marlins i'm the one who announced it every time we did something good it was the owner jeffrey loria standing there and saying look what i did so yeah that's you know that's when you have a boss that's what you do yeah true story it's true all right let's take a quick break when we get back we have so many questions to ask david about baseball so we'll take a couple minutes we'll be right back take me out to the ball game Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if I never get back with me. Root, root, root for the home day. Don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two. Three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Shop kids' baseball shirts at 9plusss.com. The Nonther Sports Podcast is the home of sports talk for everyone. Every other week, you can catch David and Jason as they talk about all things sports. From current events to classic moments and everything in between, you can find the Nonther Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and more. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back, baseball family. Again, we're here with David Sampson. We're really excited to get into some of the nit the nuts and bolts and the nitty gritty details of what it takes to be in the front office and a team executive level. David, thank you for being here. Our first question is, are we looking at expansion or any sort of realignment in the next few years? So the answer is yes, but the next few years, since you said that I take the over. So if you're going to set an over under of 10 years for expansion and realignment, I would take the under. If you're going to set it at three years, I would take the over. So it appears on between three and 10. Tampa and Oakland have to get their stadium situations resolved. And hopefully they're resolved with Tampa staying in Tampa and Oakland staying in Oakland. Because then all of these cities are candidates for for expansion. Because you don't want to use an expansion city for relocation. Because then you're missing out on an expansion fee and on a hardly amazingly great negotiation to get more money for expansion. But baseball, it makes sense to go 16 and 16, where now it's 15-15. So you're going to go from 30 to 32. There was a lot of talk. I was in a lot of meetings about getting rid of the American League and the National League and just having eight divisions of four. Uh, we yep. talked about four divisions of eight. We talked about have, uh, having changing, you know, having the Yankees and Mets in the same division, having the Angels and Dodgers in the same division. And so there's some interesting things that are going to happen. But first, 
immediately Tampa and Oakland have to take care of their uh, their stadium problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's one can thing. I just oh, sorry. For one second. Yeah, go ahead. Tell yeah, you go why for it. it sounds like it makes so much sense, right? And that's what baseball has been saying. That's what owners sit at meetings and talk about. We got to take care of Tampa and Oakland, and then we'll worry about it. The problem is now we're ready. Where the new stadiums that we thought were new are not so new anymore. And so there's other cities trying to get new stadiums, including but not limited to Kansas City. How about the Angels? How about the Orioles? How about the Diamondbacks? So all of a sudden, we're now at the next stage of new ballparks. So there will always be a reason because Arizona threatens relocation. Everyone threatens relocation when you can't get a deal done. So if baseball waits until nobody's building a ballpark, it's never going to happen. So at some point, you just have to make the decision. But I still think, given that, it's going to be more than three and fewer than ten. And yeah. do you have do you we have we have speculated what cities are going to get expansion opportunities? Do you have votes in that? Like, wh- well, what do you think? Because I got fired yeah. by Jeter, so I have right. no vote any longer. But the answer <laughs> is, there's going to be one on the west in the west coast, one on the east coast. That is mm. that is my prediction. There will be okay. no one central. Uh, I yeah. think that uh, Portland, Vancouver, those are all interesting possibilities. I think a third team in New York is an interesting possibility. Nashville, Whoa. Montreal, all of those things are, are, are possible. Uh, I just don't think that uh, San Antonio is, is going to get it. Vegas right. is a possibility as a West Coast uh, so you're going to, you're going to have one of each. Yeah. Yeah. We figured for a while that Vegas is definitely going to be one of them. And then we, we thought about either Nashville or Montreal as well. I just don't know mm. about Portland. Like I would, I'm from Portland originally right now. I live in Arizona and I would love for Portland to have a team just because then like, if I go back, whatever, I could go to a game. But like at the same time, I don't know about the corporate support there. I know there's a lot of corporate headquarters and everything. I just don't know how they would, how it would do. I mean, there were like two or three minor league teams that failed there over the last 30 years, you know? So I feel like that would be tough. Yeah. Portland. I love Portland, but to me, it's not a, uh, it's not a candidate. It's yeah. just not And Montreal. I mean, I'm happy to talk about Montreal. I love Montreal. I spent two and a half years living there, running the expos and I loved every minute of it. I love the people. I love the language. I don't love the winter weather, but you can figure out a way not to go outside ever. But they, yeah. they have a problem. They have a problem with the currency exchange, obviously, where your revenues in Canadian dollars and your expenses are in American dollars. They have a problem getting a ballpark finance there because no ownership group is going to build a stadium after paying the expansion fee. You just are going to need public help. And they just do not have the TV money, right? Because yeah. RDS is not going to spend $50 million a year to put new Montreal Major League Baseball on their channel. And it's got to be French. And, you know, because the English, TSN, it's not close. The economics aren't even close in the Montreal area for that. So I just don't think that, in general, they've got the necessary revenue to support a team or the infrastructure. But, listen, they're a great stalking horse right now. The whole split city with Tampa was laughable, right? It was never going to happen, of course. But I hope that you guys didn't get your hopes up for that. No, No. we we wanted to. But we we toyed with it. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we told you that we thought it was like, how would that even work? Yeah, we, we yeah. messed around with it, kind of kicked it around a little bit, but we never we knew it was never some, something that was going to happen because it's just it's we, absurd. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. We've kicked around Charlotte as well, taking the Knights to a major league level and upgrading them. But Charlotte's a great city and they've got good corporate money. They've got great support there. It's in the right time zone. It's going to be fascinating, right? Because yeah. so many yeah. cities want major league baseball. And then when cities lose a team, like when Seattle lost the Seattle supersonics, they'll spend triple to get an NBA team back. And that's, what's so funny, right? Montreal, they could spend double or triple to get a team back when to keep the expos. They just had to get local ownership and they had to get uh, a ballpark built. So It'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and a big part of, I, I feel like a lot of what we saw with the CBA pointed to expansion. You know, like like you said, with um, I, I feel like the Universal DH was like the first step. But also the other thing we saw was expanded playoffs. But that seemed like it was a really hotly contested topic. What was? Do you know what the big hangup was with that? Because to me, it seems like it's a bigger pie for everybody to split. Right? Like, 
Well, that's what the was the problem with that? Remember, players don't get paid during the playoffs. They're paid right. from April to September. What they get in the playoffs is something called the playoff share, and the playoff share is based on revenue generated by the gate revenue, gate receipts, mm -hmm. uh, and the umpires get money from that, the home team, the visiting team, and then all playoff teams get the longer you're in the playoffs, like the World Series share is way bigger than if you lose in the divisional round, let's say. But the reason why that that was a interesting topic in collective bargaining is that the owners want expanded playoffs for several reasons. One is the more people who are in the playoff race, the more teams which are in the playoff race later in the season, it helps this season with your gate revenue because you're playing games that matter in August. But it also helps that you can send out playoff invoices to your season ticket holders, collect their money, and use their cash instead of having to borrow money or using your own cash. So owners actually use fans' money for cash flow during the course of a season and then during the offseason because if you collect playoff money and then you don't make the playoffs, you generally just roll that over into next year's season ticket money, which means that you have gotten mm -hmm. use of their money for longer. So the more teams who are in the playoff race, the longest, the better it is. You also can sell additional games to television, and that's more money for owners. And in theory, the players get a percentage of that, but there's no guarantee, which is why they had to negotiate that now players get a specific amount of money by agreeing to the expanded playoffs. So why were, mm. why didn't the players want to expand more though? Because I feel like that's like what the guy what they want, right? Mm. Like they want to make the playoffs, they want to win the World Series. So why were they saying no? We don't want to have four more teams. We don't want to have two more teams. Do they feel like it waters it down? But at the same time, like you want to be competitive. Yeah, this is Scott Boris's peep guys, right? Like this is um, <laughs> here's the view. If they think that if an owner can make the playoffs winning 80 games, that will cause that owner to have a lower payroll because why try to win 95 games when you can win 80? And in theory, if you only need to win 80, you can have a lower payroll. Therefore, mm. guys at the top of the market are going to have fewer options because payrolls will in general go down. And the players want payrolls on the upside. They want as many teams as high as possible because that is how the best players get paid the most money. What the players don't realize, and they've never understood this, is the best players are going to get paid, and their money is going to keep going up every year. Aaron Judge doesn't need expanded playoffs or not expanded playoffs. He doesn't need anything. He's going to get paid. What the players don't realize is all the decisions they made to try to incrementally help the players, they crushed their own middle class. Yeah. By getting more money to the younger players in this year's CBA and not taking that money away through a salary cap, through the players at the top, the players in the middle, the unsigned free agents, the sort of seven-year veterans who go from team to team to team, they're the ones who got crushed and will continue to get crushed because when owners lose a point in the CBA, meaning they, they're going to make less money in their mind, all they're going to do is take it from somebody else. They're not going to take it out of their pockets. For sure. Yeah, yeah that's definitely. exactly right. You bring up Aaron Judge. Do you think that uh, he's going to stay in New York? I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. And what I'd like to know is this. Is Aaron Judge interested in getting the most money? Or is Aaron Judge interested in being like Derek Jeter, and I don't want to use that name because I can't stand him, so it's not Derek right. Jeter, but take another Yankee who was there his whole career and is just known as a Yankee. Like Gary Mattingly, Donnie Baseball. Donnie yeah. Mattingly, right? And my view is that Aaron Judge will go for the money. And mm. the reason he's going to go for the money is that he's entering free agency at 31. Yeah. So he's not, he's not going to get a 10-year deal. No. Right. The odds are he's going to get a six year deal and he's going to want seven, but he's only going to get six. And if he asked for he if he went 40 years, he could probably get 55 million a year. Right. So he's going to get 200, 250 million, but he's not going to get 350 million. Right. So I think money's going to matter. And uh, now if they win the World Series, I was going to say that may change it for me. But mm -hmm. Freddie Freeman went to L.A. It's and crazy. So after yeah. Winning the World Series. So it's just money. That's all. Yeah. 
Speaking of money, would you have given Mike Trout that contract? Because <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, it's so huge. the reason why we gave Giancarlo Stan 325 over 13, which was the biggest contract of all time at the time, is that I was tired of the narrative that the Marlins were trading all their best players and tired of us not being able to re-sign. And my view was that having him at $30 million a year and it should not be unreasonable for us to have 120 to $150 million payroll. And that's why we signed him. As it turned out, no one goes to games, even under the new ownership group, which has been there for five years. And their payroll is so small that you can't have a $30 million payroll because you'll lose 120 games. So in order to have someone on your team making that much money, they can never represent more than a quarter of your payroll. And I wanted Stanton to be a lifetime Mount Rushmore Marlin, because for whatever reason, it would give our fans and us a legacy, something that we could hold on to, because to me, he's a Hall of Famer. Mike Trout is a lifetime angel now, and he will always be associated with only the angels. But the problem in Anaheim, what do you associate Mike Trout with right now? If I played word association, here I go. One word, first word that comes to mind. I'm not mean to take your show hostage, but you're good. You're good. Ready? Yep. Mike Trout. Interesting. Oh. By the way, you can't be wrong. You're both right. Um, I, if, if asked, right, for the first word for me, Mike, Mike Trout, I would say losing. Yeah. They've never won anything. He's never won a play- playoff game. Mm-hmm. So he, he's, he's becoming like Andre Dawson, a Hall of Fame player, one of the greatest players of all time, but never won. And that impacts him to this day. Right, I, he loved winning a World Series with us in '03 in the front office, but it it impacted him. And Mike Trout, to me, can't go down as the greatest player in baseball history without a World Series ring. You just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. We've talked about that as well. We totally feel the same way. Yeah, it's not a popular view, by the way. No, uh, because <laughs> in a team sport, people say you can't blame. You know, you can blame a golfer for not winning a major, a tennis player for not winning a Grand Slam. They sort of control it. You can't be the greatest without winning Grand Slams. That's how they measure it. But in baseball, you, you like in football, you need a you need a defense if you're a quarterback, or you need a quarterback if you're a defensive player. But to me, in baseball, while a big three won't win you a World Series the way it would in the NBA get you to the finals, let's say, you have to win a playoff series, right? You just yeah. have to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing that always bugged me. Like I'm a Mariners fan and having grown up and watched like the late nineties Mariners, like how did that team not win a world series with the team, with the guys they had Griffey, a rod, Randy Johnson, like that whole mess. Jay Buhner and Jay Buhner. Yes. Edgar Martinez. Yeah. Yeah, All of it. It's hard to win a world series. People in Florida get so you stunk. You were there 18 years and only won one world series. And I always say, right. When I'm a little chippy, I always say, I'm going to call about 15 out of the 30 fan bases and ask, would they like to be Marlins fans, having won in 97 and 03? 15 of the teams would say, hell yeah, I would be a Marlins fan right now. Absolutely. That's what I I always get mad at our friends when they're upset. Like we have a Phillies, we have a friend who's a Phillies fan, and he was complaining about how the streak ended. I'm like, dude, you just won like nine in a row. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and you won a World Series more a little more than ten years ago. I don't want to hear anything about, about no that doubt. because my team hasn't even been to the playoffs. How about the people who complain about the Red Sox owners? It makes me oh, crazy. Man. You let Mookie Betts go, you cheap guy. You're only interested in Liverpool. And it's not like I take the side of John Henry ever. But right. John Henry has won four World Series for Boston Red Sox fans who hadn't won in like seven hundred years. Yeah. And you're <laughs> complaining because they it it boggles my mind yep yeah i know it's so frustrating it's unreal it's so what what's the word um entitled it's so entitled it's something isn't it i'd give it all up i would give up this is going to be unreal i also don't think i've ever said this i would give up my world series ring if for a knicks title not now But when I was a huge Knicks fan in the 80s and 90s, from basically 1975 until 1999, I went to almost every Knicks game. And I would travel with the team on the road. I went to all, you know, the games in Chicago, games in Houston, et cetera. 
And the greatest sports moment of my life is not winning the World Series. It's when the Knicks finally beat Indiana in Game 7 in 94 to go to the finals. That feeling was the greatest feeling I've ever had. I mean, I would stretch before games. I had a uniform, a Knicks shirt that I would wear. I had a Knicks towel. I'd be sweating watching the games. And I would sit in my seat yelling at referees and heckling everybody. And I would, I would give anything for a Knicks title in that period. Anything. Oh, I hear that. That's awesome. Like... I would give as a as a Seattle Seahawks fan, I would trade the Super Bowl title just for a World Series appearance as a Mariners fan. To be honest, just an appearance, by the just way, just an appearance, means right? Just for a pennant, you want to win the pennant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're One so time. disappointing. Do you know that I picked them preseason this year in spring training? I picked them to win the division. You did. See, yeah, no one was, but I was, and I am blown away at how bad they are. It's yeah. unreal. It's so frustrating. It's and I think a big part of it is Mitch Haniger being out. But at the same time, like I didn't think they were going to win the division. I know, and that's the problem is you can't always blame injuries. Um, I didn't think they're going to win the division because I I just feel like the Astros are still so are so good. But I do think that with the pieces they have in place, I think the next year could very well be the year. I've been saying it for a while. I think 2023. <laughs> and David, I'm the ever I've been saying it for a I'm while means since '95. <laughs> This in 95, it. <laughs> in 95, they got eliminated by the Indians. And I said, it's not going to be next year. It's not going to be the next decade. It's going to be 2023. It's when the world, when the Mariners win it all. But no, I do have a legitimate question about though. Like why are some teams just perennially bad every single year? Like the Mariners have gone 21 years now well, without making, but the have they been bad every, hold on. Not, when, no, not every year. They miss the like playoffs by year. a couple games here and there. So, and they would so have won the central a couple that. times too. Right. Do you, like people, like the Orioles are a great example. Yes. Right? The Orioles were really good in the 2000 teens, right? Yep. Didn't they go to the playoffs or in 14 and 15 or 15 and 16 or some, some years in there? The Royals had that run where they won a World Series. Mm-hmm. The Indians in have been up, down, but really good. And then th- there's nobody who's been really bad. For it's it's cycles. It just yeah. feels badly, right? Like you feel like the Mariners have not been good since when two thousand. Like is that two thousand one? Sort of, that's your head. Like yeah. So they've had no good years since two thousand one. Well, and I don't want to say no good years because, like I said, they missed the playoffs last year by like an hour. And then in, I was at yeah. at the game in two thousand and sixteen when they got eliminated because they lost the A's on the second to last day of the season. So I know there's been those kind of years, and like I said, there are years by record they would have won the AL Central, but at the same time. They haven't been to the playoffs since that 116-win season. Yeah, it's hard in baseball, and it's uh, one of the great things about expanding the playoffs is there should be fewer of those types of streaks. But it's not like the players. So if you talk to the Mariners players today, they don't feel the weight of that because they weren't around. Like some of them weren't even born maybe. So for them, it's just they're, they're playing. And if you ask Chicago Cubs players in 2016, this I loved. It's good. It's good uh, for the media. And it's good to say it when the cameras are rolling. Oh, we're doing this for the millions of people who never got to see it. And we think back about the Billy Goat curse and we're breaking and breaking that. They could give a flying rat's tuchus about that. They want to get paid. And if they win, great. If they win a World Series, great. It's cool to win a World Series. But they don't carry the pressure of the curse with them. Players in the clubhouse and in their real lives, they don't think about it for one second. That's awesome. Yeah, that's it briefs what, well, though. It what? It, it briefs well, though. It's yes, great PR. That's exactly yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah, it's like Mitch Haniger wrote that thing for the Players' Tribune last year where he's like basically saying this isn't our streak because we haven't been here that long, but we're going to do everything we can to end it because we understand it. But, yeah, it's it's frustrating, especially especially the memes. The memes kill me about the Mariners. But anyway. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be really old right now. What are you talking about? What does that mean? Oh, the the memes about the Mariners. There's always jokes about how like, um, about how it, it the Mariners are invited. Everybody's invited to the World Series except for the Mariners, or everybody's invited to the playoffs except for <laughs> the Mariners. It. Got right. it. Stuff like that. So but, making yeah. fun of their futility is called a meme. Well, there's yeah, like internet <laughs> memes about a lot of things. Anyway, okay, yeah. I'm gonna look that so, up. I don't know that yeah. I've heard that word before. Okay, I'm maybe you've heard of meme. I don't know. Bryce Harper said meme a few years ago. 
I don't he think did. that was right, though. I don't know what that means, though. I'll go with the way you said it versus the way Bryce Harper said it. Yeah, it's a pretty good idea. <laughs> Speaking of Bryce Harper, I actually have a question yeah. for you about this. So there are guys who are really wild and crazy outspoken. Like, Bryce Harper is kind of yeah. used to be kind of a wild man on the field. He still is kind of kind of has an attitude. I really like him. But He's passionate. Yep. He's passionate, yeah. Um, but then there's a guy like Trevor Bauer who does his thing off the field with, like, momentum and everything. I'm curious how a front office would treat a guy like Trevor Bauer. Like if, if you were still in the front of a criminal, you're talking about a guy who not that, not that part, women, not not that that part, part. which part then pre that part. Yeah. Somebody who takes the ball out of Terry Francona's hand and throws it in the stands. Like that that guy. Yeah. Yeah, That guy. And who's running his mouth off camera or off the field. And who's always doing social media and players can't stand him. Front offices can't stand him. If he hadn't been a good pitcher, he'd be out of the league. He's out of the league now and he'll never come back. Um, Listen, Bryce Harper, it's not, if you ask people inside the game, they will tell you it's no coincidence that the nationals won the world series after Bryce Harper left. They will tell you it's no coincidence. And the Phillies, I would argue, have not been successful with Bryce Harper on the team. He's been great. He is an MVP player. There's no doubt about that. But it's not as though his team has had success. So uh, he's got – I guess my view is that anyone who has Scott Boris as an agent, you know, you have to wonder what they're about and and, and how they think and how they operate and how easily they are manipulated by a cult-like figure who doesn't have their best interests in mind. Like, you have to think about that. But – but Harper is a damn good player who's had the pressure. Yeah. He was LeBron, right? He was right. having he was on Sports Illustrated like as a ten year old or something. That's right. And so very few people are able to take it from that age into adulthood, being the best at that sport, and he's done it. Yeah, that's one thing we've talked about. Is a lot of people talk about how he's overrated and like, well, it's not his fault. No. He was put on Sports Illustrated as a teenager. What do you yeah. expect? He's not overrated. He's a very good baseball player. But yeah. that, that that doesn't make him good in the clubhouse. It doesn't make him a winner. It makes him a good baseball player. We talk about X factor elements like clubhouse presence, like you know, unit cohesion and things like that all the time. From your perspective, I mean, it sounds like those things are as important to you as we think they are. Is that so? It's funny. I don't need the players to all like each other. At all. So it it used to be the players hung out more after a game. You'd be in the clubhouse with a bunch of guys and you'd have some drinks and hang out. Now people are on their phones and people are in, you know, now the expression is 25 guys, 25 cabs, right? So there's not Mm. a lot of camaraderie uh, as much as there was. But so I don't need that. I don't need people to be best friends. It's like when you're working with a partner. I don't know your relationship. I don't know, but you two may not be best friends, but you may be great partners where you bring something to the, to this show that he does and he brings something that you don't. And that's how, right, the sum is greater than the parts. Sure. And when you're putting a team together, that's what you're looking for. So you clubhouse matters, but talent and, and mental strength matter more to me. Uh, but there's an extreme case and Trevor Bauer is an example of that, where you just don't, it's not worth it. Like, no matter how good they are, my example was A-Rod, right? No matter how good A-Rod is uh, post-Seattle, like in the twilight of his career, there's no way anyone wanted to introduce him into a clubhouse. Barry Bonds, there's no way you want to introduce him into a clubhouse. It's just not worth it. In his prime, boy, if you're San Francisco, you suck it up because you're talking about the greatest player, one of the top three greatest players of all time. So you do it. But in general, uh, if people at the extremes you don't want, but everyone else, you can mix them in. Yeah, that makes sense. Was there a guy who you brought in because he was a clubhouse guy or is it specifically like no – the clubhouse doesn't outweigh the talent. He's not good enough to come play on our team. Well, there were guys who we had, like Hanley Ramirez was not a good clubhouse guy at all. He was a great talent, but not popular in the clubhouse. He was very difficult to deal with. I loved Hanley, but I treated him, um, I didn't, you know, genuflect in his general direction, right? I was very stern with him, but also jovial. So I made it known, I made it known when it was appropriate to be, uh, David and when I was president, Samson. Yeah. But he was not very popular at all. Pudge Rodriguez in 2003, he was not popular in our clubhouse at all. Mm. But they loved him on the field and yeah, we won. Yeah. And that, no one cares. 
That trumps all. It trumps all. There's no question about it. Unless, yeah. and Pudge was not like Trevor Bauer. So right. let me be clear. Pudge okay. was in the band, Hanley Ramirez, they're in the band where the talent is so good that you put them on your team and you're happy that you keep them on your team. They're not anywhere in the neighborhood of Trevor Bauer where no matter how good he is, you don't want him on your team. Or the juice just isn't worth the squeeze. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. So you mentioned – oh, go ahead, Brick. Go ahead. I was going to say one, one last question about this clubhouse presence stuff. When guys are in a slump and and they're teetering on the edge of like, what do we do with this guy? Do we do we send him down? Do we DFA him or anything like that? Would an X factor, you know, clubhouse presence, leadership, whatever, any of that personality stuff, does that ever come into the decision when it's time to make a business choice? No. No, I didn't think so. Um, what, what, it's actually body language. So hmm. for us, it's not. I'm trying to think of an example of a player who we had. Marcelo Zuna is a good example, though we hmm. though we sent him down to try to manipulate his service time. Uh, but he also was not playing well, so it was a good excuse to do it. Like you wait. That's the joke. By the way, on a side note, like Kellenic. So yeah. it's such a big deal. Bring him up. We got to bring him up. When's he going to be brought up? You guys are manipulating him. And now everyone says, look at all these great young players who were brought up to start the season. Meanwhile, it doesn't matter whether you bring up a guy late to start the season or whether you send him down in the middle of the season. The impact's the same. It's as though they were not brought up in the beginning if you send them down in the middle because service time, meaning the days you're on the active major league roster, it doesn't matter if you miss 30 days in July or 30 days in April, you still miss 30 days. But Kellenick's a great mm-hmm. example where where they there's a there's an expectation, right, that they're going to be brought mm-hmm. in and they're immediately Julio Rodriguez, by the way, right? The Is he going to come in and be Miguel Cabrera or Dontrell right. Willis? They're going to come in and be in a world series and they're going to hit, we're going to hit them in the middle of our lineup. It's so hard for young players to be good in this game. And the, the players I'm off the subject, but the the players spend so much time fighting to get these young players up earlier in service time manipulation. And the owners didn't give in on anything. And the players say they got this great victory, but they didn't. So you see young players being sent down now because they really shouldn't have been up in the first place. Yeah, Kelnick, I think, was brought up last year because there was a whole lot of pressure to bring him up. Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, the, for a couple of days, it was like, yeah, he's here because he hit a home run in, in his second so game. And then it was like, like, yeah, but then he goes, oh, for 100. We and, don't look at that, right? Yeah. So we look at body language. Kelnick, when, oh, yeah. when you're not manipulating service time, you are looking at if a guy's 0 for 30 and he's normally very calm and he doesn't take his offensive struggles into the field. Well, now he's making errors. Now he's making mental mistakes. Now he's breaking a bat over his knee. Like all of a sudden he's acting a little differently. We'll send him down without a question. Uh, but if they're if they understand that baseball is a game of failure and you believe in their talent, then you're going to let him go and you're going to keep yeah. him up in the big leagues. Uh, so uh, it depends on the player, but it's not about clubhouse chemistry. It's mm-hmm. more about personality and how the player is handling failure. There's so many great baseball players who don't make it because they're not mentally strong. Baseball, to me, requires the most mental strength of any sport, of any sport, because there's more failure, right, in baseball than any other sport by far. And a lot of people can't deal with failing. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely right. true. Um, when that's why I was deal- go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, when it comes to dealing with the clubhouse, <laughs> do you feel like there should be like a great divide between the two? Like, I know some teams will. You know, it's like there's the door and then that's it, right? But there's others where it's kind of mixed and mingled. I don't know if it was really this way, but on Moneyball, they sure painted it this way that Billy Bean is like really involved with everybody in the clubhouse and everything. Like, do you feel like it should be like that or there should be a great divide between the two? No, I think there can't be. I was in the clubhouse. I went to the clubhouse after every loss, not after every win, because the owner went in only after wins. And mm. I wanted it. I wanted the players to know that win or lose, I'm going to be around. So I went in all the time. I would go in pregame. I would eat dinner with Jose Fernandez every day. He wasn't pitching uh, in the clubhouse after the game had started. And uh, you know, it's I want the players to know that I'm all about business, and I'm going to trade you. I'm going to release you. I'm going to designate you, but I'm going to talk to you. 
and I'm going to tell you what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. I'm going to be very straightforward and direct. I'm going to treat you like a man, but in return, you have to care about what you do, treat me like a man, and then let's move forward together. And the other thing in a clubhouse that's necessary is you can't let things fester. Right, so like Lance Lynn fighting on the bench with the White Sox, he did that yesterday, and you see a lot of team meetings. The Marlins had a team meeting where everyone was upset with everyone else or some such nonsense. It's like a marriage. I fought with the owner, I fought with the general manager, with the manager, with the players, with the trainers, because you're together all the time. So it's like there's a bickering and there's no makeup sex, right? So you, <laughs> you, you have to find another way and you try to do it with a victory, right? So you try to win a game and then you're like, oh, everything's good now. But you have to communicate. You have to communicate with your players. And that's for any business. You have to communicate with people who report to you and you have to communicate with people to whom you report. So upwards and downwards communication to me is the most important skill you have to have to be successful. I like that. So, yeah. So speaking of being successful, I mean, if there was somebody who wanted to take the job, that you, like to get the job that you had to be somewhere along the lines of the president of baseball operations or even a GM, what kind of path would you recommend that they take to get there? Well, you can take my path, which is straight nepotism, right? And just be and just get it that way. But then you better be good or you're going to last for about a week. So yeah. I, I, I had an opportunity because I was a lawyer and a banker and I had an opportunity and I'd run a business before. So I was given that opportunity by my stepfather, but then I you know, kicked the door in once I had it and ended up staying 18 years. But uh, I think that anyone, what I found over the years, and I would get, I don't know, 100 resumes a week minimum, people wanting to get into baseball on the baseball side, they didn't have any clue they thought they were going to come watch games and hang out with players. I've all my whole life I wanted to be in sports. It's my dream. That's what people would say. I didn't hire any of those people. My dream wasn't to be in sports. I didn't I don't even like baseball, right? To me it was not about baseball. I was I had a business to run. It was a straight business. And when I hire you in marketing, your job is to market. If your job is to sell tickets, it doesn't matter if you're selling cars or tickets or computer processors. You're in sales. On the baseball side, people think it's like fantasy baseball. But the majority of the work that you do on the baseball side is like budgets. It's sort of – it's analyzing numbers. It's figuring out how to use and allocate the budget and the, and the, and the monies that you have to build a team. It's not like a fantasy team where, oh, I'm going to spend $4 on that guy, and if I don't like him, I'll just not play him or not worry about it, or I'll ignore my league and give up the 10 bucks. right? It's, a, it's your life. It's your job, but it's not nearly as sexy. That's the one thing I tell people. Working in sports is not nearly as sexy as people think it is. Yeah, do you find a lot of people get into it with some of this grandiosity and some of this fantasy, and then it ruins baseball for them, or it ruins... No, they leave. They leave. They either get fired or they quit. Mm. The majority, the attrition that happens in a front office is tremendous because the expectation that people have doesn't match the reality. So they're just, it's not worth it. And they want to make more money. We don't pay very well, except at the very top, because there's a thousand people who do the same job as better, as same or as better as you can do it. And I can pay them less. Yeah. So that's just the economics of it, right? And, uh, but the, the, the higher you get, like as GM or president of baseball operations, or I was the president of the team, there are fewer people who can do that because just like there are fewer people who can be a, you know, a CEO or a, of, a, of a big company that's not a baseball company. So right. it's really, there's no difference between a baseball team and uh, a retail store. Yeah, you mentioned that in your podcast today a little bit where you talked about you know expected uh, revenue versus guaranteed revenue mm-hmm. And all that different management, and I thought that was fascinating because that's any business. That it doesn't Correct. matter. Isn't what, that you could be running a car wash, and it would be the same thing. That's like uh, the car wash example is a great one, where it's the buy ten car washes, pay up front, get the eleventh free. Yeah. So people buy the ten car washes, you get the money. The owner of the car wash gets to use the money, and then the guy comes in for a second car wash, goes to the cashier, and says, "See you later." And you're like, huh? I got to pay my guys who are running the car wash, who are drying the car, but they didn't give me any money for this car. What, what do I do? Well, you got paid up front, so you better 
allocate that money and save it or else you're not going to be able to pay your employees. By the way, that's called a Ponzi scheme, right? <laughs> when you keep taking money from some future thing to pay out current <laughs> obligations, the current obligations at the car wash are the people who are running your car wash for cars who already paid for their wash a week, a month, or a year ago. So you're right. Thank you for listening. That I really do appreciate that. And I spoke to Coke after the show today, and he was fascinated with the show today as well because he said, you know, people don't think of that, right? People won't even, mm. when we're talking about naming rights deals, like people just assume the Lakers deal with crypto.com is just yeah. they're going to keep getting $30 million a year. They're not. There's no, no I chance that. that deal is going to continue. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You ripped Bitcoin apart, and it was awesome because – I've had this gut, just this gut feeling that I don't know. It just makes me uncomfortable. And you're, you put words to feelings I didn't know how to express. So I, it was good. It was great. Thank you. Well, that's nothing personal, right? That's what we do. I try to put words. What I'm saying is not brain surgery. I'm not solving equals MC squared. I'm telling people things that I've experienced and putting it in a way that everyone can talk about and think about. But that, what's going on with Bitcoin and crypto, it's just funny to me because they, it's like, uh, People who spend their whole life trying to tell you how different they are, right? Oh, listen, I'm, I'm, a, very, I'm a big fashion guy or I'm this, I'm that. I'm so different than you. Meanwhile, they're all the same, yeah. right? So crypto spends its whole life trying to say how different they are than the U.S. dollar, than the U.S. markets. We're different than equities and bonds. Meanwhile, there's a bear market and crypto's down too. Is that a coincidence? I think not. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. I have one more question that we have to get to because this is something that burns with both of us often. City Connect uniforms that come out. Okay. <laughs> some are very good. Some are very bad. Who makes the final decision on that? Is that Nike brings that to the team and says, we made this for you? Or does the team say uh, A out of A, B, or C? Like, how does that work? So, so Nike will send A, B, or C. Okay. And you'll work with them, but at the end of the day, it's their choice and New Era, the same. But then baseball bought New Era. But you are given your hats, right? You are shown, here's your July 4th hat. Here is your – but they show it to you way in advance. And if you really don't love what they're doing, you can tweak it. But remember, they're all pretty similar uh, mm-hmm. in terms of you know mm-hmm. Memorial Day, Father's Day, Mother's Day, those type of things. But for City Connect, you, it's certainly designed by the league – but you, you have input, and you can decide whether you're going to wear it, whether you're not going to wear it. So you do work in conjunction for that. But for other things that are league-wide initiatives, uh, you are shown your hat and said this is what it's going to be, and you're going to wear it. So yeah. when they decided to do trucker hats for spring training this year, not considering anybody's lack of hair as a possibility <laughs> for a sunburn? Yeah, it's, it's quite something, isn't it, right? Yeah. Especially because if you walk through a clubhouse uh, during spring training toward the end – um, you see players and coaches with amazing baseball tans, which means that they're tan from the forehead down, um, but they're white where the rim of their cap is. Yeah. And then in the back of their neck, they've got color below the hat but above the collar. And in their yeah. arms, you can see like the, the, you know, the golfer's tan. And the trucker's hat is such a stupid idea because you have people walking around like with holes, yeah. right? <laughs> Sunburned yeah. on their head. Yeah. So crazy. But – Someone's paying for that, and uh, owners get revenue for that. Yep. That's a, yeah, that's growing exactly. up, I always had a gap. Like, Let me see if I can get show you. I had a gap like right here because I wore three-quarter length sleeves all the time. This finger was tan, but the rest of the hand was white. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, same thing. I, I had like odd tan lines for my catcher's mask and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, it was... You see golfers with that, right, with the yeah. glove they wear. Yeah, the one hand. The glove they don't, the one-handed yeah. tan. That always makes yeah. me laugh. For sure. But David, we have gone a full hour with you plus a couple a couple extra seconds. Thank you so much for joining awesome. us. We really appreciate it. Again, this is David Sampson. You can catch him Monday through Friday on Nothing Personal with David Sampson. It's an excellent podcast. I've been listening for a couple of years. I used to listen every day on my commute and then COVID hit and I had to figure out how to find time to want to listen again because it's really enjoyable. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We'll do this again. That'd be excellent. great. We'd love yeah. to have you again. All right. Have Thanks. a great day. Thanks, David. Well, baseball family, thank you again for joining us for that amazing interview with David Sampson. Um, if there's anybody else you want to hear from, if you want to want us to try to get on the show to talk to, let us know. Jump in the mailbag. Send us an email. Uh, there's a link down in the description of every episode with a link to the mailbag, or you can jump on baseballtogether.com, and you can also click the link up in the navigation and send us an email that way. Again, 
if there's somebody you want to hear from or a specific topic you want to hear about as well, let us know. That's the best way to do it. Brig, tell them about the shop. Don't forget to jump on the shop at 9plusus.com. It's N-I-N-E-P-L-U-S-U-S.com at 9plusus.com, where you can shop baseball merch. We've got T-shirts and hoodies and hats and all kinds of stuff in there. And as I keep saying, the shop inventory is dwindling right now because we are doing a lot of overhaul. So if there's something in there that you want, go get it now before it goes away. Back to you, Brad. That's right. Yeah, some of the <laughs> some of the I guess you would say the OG designs are going to go the way go uh, the way of the world. I guess you could say. Yeah. So yeah. they will not be there any longer. But don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Again, let us know what you think about what we're doing. We love feedback because we want to keep improving to give you a more enjoyable show for what you want to hear. But baseball family, with that, we will catch you next week. Yeah.